welcome to the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. Your hosts are Phil McGurk and Scott McFadden. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast is a roundtable discussion designed to bring a number of viewpoints on cleaning, carpet cleaning and restoration related topics together in one place. Hi all, how are we going? <laughs> I think we can hear Toby's uh, got some birds hanging around the background there. That's okay, we'll get through it. Welcome all. Hello Scott, how are you today? I'm good, thank you Phil. Thanks very much. Um, and uh, welcome all for into this uh, podcast at the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. And today we have a fantastic discussion planned with uh, three gentlemen of the industry that we all know very well and they represent three states of the eastern uh, coast of Australia. And um, I'm going to start off, we're on a Zoom meeting, so we do have Toby Bredow from uh, Carpet Cleaners Warehouse outside. So if we hear some birds through this podcast, uh, we unfortunately <laughs> can't do much about that. Um, so we have Toby here. We have Grant Hickey from uh, Specialised Advanced Equipment in, in New South Wales. And we have Roy Evans from Pressure Pro in Melbourne, Victoria. Welcome you uh, three to the podcast and uh, we really look forward to your uh, commentary in regards to our discussion today. But I'd like to start with um, the subject that we're dealing with today <clears throat> before I introduce the three of you. The uh, subject we're going to be discussing uh, is in regards to we've just gone through this whole coronavirus, the COVID-19 and our machines, for some of us, may have gone into the, what we might call a COVID hibernation. Some of us might have not been as busy as what we were before. And so our machines may have been sitting around and uh, we want to get them prepared. But now all of a sudden we're coming into a winter period and uh, our machines are going to be starting up in a colder period of the year. So we wanted to consider... You know, we have three uh, suppliers here that supply truck mounts, portables and, and different uh, machines for our industry in Australia and uh, throughout Asia. So we really welcome uh, their discussion and their comments today. I'd like to um, start off, I'm, I'm going to uh, start with what my uh, video shows and we have uh, Roy Evans there at the top. Um, welcome Roy from uh, Pressure Pro, how are you today? Very well, thank you Scott. Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, your company, Roy. Uh, so, yeah, I've been in and around the industry for going on 20 years now, um, more or less straight out of school. Um, thought I'd do it for a couple of months until I found something I liked and I'm still looking. So, uh, no, I've, um, yeah, basically worked, worked my way up uh, through through the years with Steenback, the original Steenback uh, entity in Melbourne, um, with a couple of other guys that are currently involved with other companies that some of these other gents represent. Um, and, yeah, through the time, um, went went on to join ProChem uh, in their service operation when, when they were present in Melbourne. Um, spent several years there and, and then actually returned back to Steenback where I, I um, entered a sales and marketing position. So what's uh, some of the uh, Pressure Pro, what's some of the brands that uh, you represent? 
Pressure Pro uh, is is basically a distributor, if you like, of SV equipment, which is our other entity um, manufacturing the, the Steamback range uh, of equipment, extraction equipment and accessories. Um, we we uh, also represent Coraventa um, as Coraventa Australia with the range of restoration equipment out of Sweden. Um, and yeah, we, we distribute FLIR um, metering systems and a bunch of associated um, products, chemicals, PPE, um, or, or to do with anything cleaning and, and restoration uh, related. Um, so we've tried to become, a, a, I guess, a one-stop shop. Um, and in the recent years, I've, I've immersed myself uh, personally in, in the restoration side of the business and, and tried to look at what uh, our clients are dealing with day to day and what sort of things we can provide to, to help them uh, make their days easier and be more efficient and, and um, do a better job. So, Very good. Excellent. Well, welcome uh, to the podcast uh, today, Roy. Um, like next up, too. I have, uh, well, we have is uh, Grant Hickey. Hey, Scott. Hey, Phil. Hey. How you going, mate? Good to see you, Roy, too. Good to see you. Grant, um, you've been in the industry uh, for a very long time, and um, could you tell us, uh, you know, your, the company that you are dealing with at Advance down there in uh, New South Wales, and I know that you have expanded throughout Australia, so if you want to uh, let the people know where you um, have expanded to, and maybe a little bit about your your father, you know, John, who's been in the industry for such a long time and been a mentor for many. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll, we'll probably start start there, Scott. Uh, I was born into the industry, so to speak, a little bit like yourself, really. Um, my fa- mother and father started a carpet cleaning business well over 36, 37 years ago. They probably don't want to hear this podcast after me stating that, but... Uh, <laughs> about that that period of time and a little bit like Roy said how he sort of left school but um, and got into it I I worked pre-spraying cleaning carpets raking carpets vacuuming whatever needed to be done um, in school holidays or to earn extra money after school taking those buckets of water for the portables yeah yeah absolutely and went from there in, and studied studied into law uh, commercial law uh, and found that I didn't actually want to do it. I enjoyed doing what I was doing. And from from the carpet cleaning, we got into restoration. And yes, you, Dad was probably one of the first people to ever really get into restoration in our country. Mm-hmm. And for, for a while there, we did a huge amount of work. And one of the issues that we always came up against was when it came to the equipment side, there was nobody in the industry at that stage that really brought in any decent equipment in the restoration industry. Um, you'll remember, Scott, your old man would have been using the old metal air movers and <laughs> that came yep. from the, the balloon industry. I so, still have one of them as part of the <laughs> <antique> show. <laughs> <laughs> and um, people probably ask what that archaic piece of equipment is. Yep. But from there, we, we, we started up Advanced Specialised Equipment. And Advanced was only ever created as a buying group for the A-Line group or as it was back then, um, A-line carpet cleaning and restoration. And from there, it sort of grew its own wings and we started bringing in the dry ease range of equipment. 
there were some relationships that Dryies had over in the States with groups like Steamway. And because we were bringing in Dryies, we had to bring in Steamway. Uh, we bring in Steamway, we had to bring in US products. And from there, it, it became its own, own entity. And from that, I decided that I was enjoying the, the sales side of things and the equipment side a little bit more than actually going out and doing the work. Yep. Uh, I, was, I was starting to get a little bit fatigued by the hours that we were doing. As we all know, it, it can get quite over, over, overall and overpowering. So I got right into the equipment side. And from there came the training side of things, uh, which we're, we're all very, very um, big into. And we know it's such an important aspect of the industry. And from there, we did a lot of ICSC training to where about 2006, we created ITI um, for what, our, what we believe was a, a need in the industry. And from there, it's, it's really gone from strength to strength. And in terms of equipment suppliers, we sell Sapphire Scientific um, and ProChem or Legend Brands, if we now call them by the, the new entity, Dryes, which is Legend Brands Restoration, uh, Polyvac, Bridgepoint chemicals. We have have our own range of chemicals. We actually also have our own range of drying equipment, uh, which is super clean products, which some people may or may not have, have seen before. Uh, we also sell the CRB range of equipment from Austria, the counter-rotating brush units, or people might know that as Brush Pro. Uh, so we've been selling those now for a couple of years. And then little odds and ends that we've, we've worked out along the way, whether it's different brands of meters, or different tools. And we also do a little bit into the janitorial side of things, simply because of what our customers that we deal with full stop ask us to do. Uh, it's not a big side of our, our business, but it, it still does, does a little bit for us. So in regards to uh, truck mounts, um, you do the Sapphire truck mounts. Yep. Um, are you still doing, I remember you guys had your own truck mount at one stage, is that still available? Look, we, we came to a, a price point where it wasn't um, foreseeable for us to build it for any longer than what we were, just okay. cost prohibitive based on, based on the technology out of America um, and the, the build quality and just the sheer labour that was involved with making our own because it was all handmade. Yes. Um, it, it came to a point where it just wasn't viable for us anymore and we, yep. we looked away from that. So... With the Sapphire, we've got the ProChem range, and um, they're obviously now called Legend Brands. Uh, so uh, those two brands are joint. So you're selling the uh, the ProChem and the Sapphire, yeah. and in regards to the portable uh, brands, what um, are you doing in that? Uh, we have the VersaClean range, and then we have the US Products PEX uh, PEX unit, which is something that we've had a lot of lot to do with deal with over the years. Um, and but primarily the PEX and the VersaClean. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks very much for, for that, uh, Grant. Really appreciate you being with us today. Thanks, Mark. The third person we wanted to uh, introduce with us today is from Carpet Cleans Warehouse, is uh, Toby Bredow. And uh, Toby, would like to introduce yourself. Oh, hi, Scotty, Phil, Roy, and Grant. Thank you very much for having us. Uh, this, this podcast is great, very important uh, for the future of the industry, I think. Absolutely, mate. No problems. That's what we think so too, Toby. Um, yeah. And uh, so with Carpet Cleans Warehouse, uh, you're in the uh, Queensland and in the, also in the New South Wales region. Um, did you? Uh, what type of equipment is uh, Carpet Cleans Warehouse currently 
uh, providing. So, so mate, yeah. Uh, so, so I'm, I'm a CEO of CCW. Uh, I've been in the industry about 20 odd years. Uh, CCW is based in Brisbane, Sydney, and Melbourne. Uh, truck mount wise, we're selling the Hydra Masters and the Sapphires. Portable wise, uh, Versiclean Mighty, uh, Razorback uh, is the Australian built one. Uh, restoration equipment, we focus on dryies, chemicals. Uh, we like the Bridgepoint, the uh, Hydra Master, the Acticam, the Sonitron, Carpet Cleaners Warehouse has a range of chemicals. So, yeah, plenty of choices there. So um, you seem to have a couple of uh, different brands of truck mounts as well with some portables. And, uh, you know, going back to Roy, he's also got the SB equipment portables. Um, so we've got a good range here today um, with the three of you. Uh, when we look at our amount of equipment and manufacturing brands that are available here in Australia, I think we've got a pretty good, uh, we can get a really good view uh, and some pretty good uh, points for our viewers and listeners today. Um, so I'll just stop there. So, yeah, that was good, guys. I think, um, so from there, we'll just, uh, do you want to, Phil, go into... Uh, straight in for what to prepare for winter, or um, I just uh, just wonder if we want to do a something about um, uh, why we've got all three of them together. Uh, I think the industry sort of shines away from bringing people together like this. So I think we need to put um, you know as an industry we need to be across everyone. You know, everyone helps each other out. So yep. maybe yep. go into that and then go into, um, yeah, the change of seasons and what we're, what we're looking at. Is Just while I've got the three years now, um, is there anything that you really wanted to bring out that you'd like to discuss? I think I think really at the end of the day, on my behalf, I, it's more about just some advice and our thoughts for the industry, mm. not necessarily a self-promotion yep. type aspect today. That's That's me. I don't know about the other boys. Yep. Yeah, hundred percent, Grant. Yeah, we're just we're just here really in an industry uh, advisory and, and and help capacity really. Yeah. Excellent. That's what that's what we want. So, if for advice wise, um, if I was to you know ask a question, I might just go around the three. You know what I mean? Like in regards to how to look after maybe a truck mount, a pump, or a vacuum blower or something like that. Do you know what I mean? And you yeah. can just go on, and uh, specifically, you know, especially if it's going to be um, a portable. You know, mention what portable it may be to, um, and how they could maybe fix up if there's a water leak or to keep the pipes from from freezing through maybe some winter times out over Toowoomba or you know what I mean, stuff like that. Just advice. Cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So you're right, Phil. Yep. Go ahead. So it's really good that we've got the uh, three of you on here because, you know, as an industry, sometimes we sort of sometimes look at each other going, oh, we might be all competitors. But, you know, really we're all here together to help each other. So I really appreciate that the three of you have come on board uh, today and to be able to provide advice for our listeners. So thanks very much for that. Um, with, in regards to, you know, as we come out of the, out of this COVID hibernation, I like to call it with inverted commas, because that's really what it's been. And when you sort of see the forums that are going around, some people have been fairly quiet. Mm. Um, and then there's been those other companies that have been quite busy. Um, you know, a lot of guys went into the disinfection when their carpet cleaning went down, they went into the disinfection mode. 
Um, and I don't know about you guys, but I did see some pretty um, bad uh, uh, efforts or illustrations or examples of um, some bad disinfection. But um, when we look at what we, what we went through, some of those machines went into a hibernation mode or didn't get used. And so we're sort of thinking, well, as we come out and we go into this winter period, what's some of the things that we can look after maybe with our water pumps? You know, we have these pumps that have been sitting there that may not have been cleaned or uh, changed uh, with their washers and things like that. Um, if we looked at portables, for example, they've been sitting there uh, and there hasn't been maybe any maintenance done. If we could look at maybe some maintenance that, these, uh, that our listeners could do on their portables, if we, if we sort of looked at uh, Roy with the SV equipment ones, what would be a, some advice that uh, your listeners could maybe use in regards to the portables uh, on their water pumps? Uh, well, are we talking um, coming out of hibernation or, or going into a, a stagnant time? I think let's uh, we we're coming out of that uh, you know that COVID hibernation time, so let's let's go with that. Yep. Uh, well, basically, if if, if uh, you haven't run your portable, um, excuse the dishwasher there. Uh, if you haven't run your portable pump for a while, there there's a good chance that um, you would experience a, an airlock or a loss of pressure uh, when you do go ahead and fire it up. Um, so there's a couple of things that you want to, if, if you experience, um, that and nothing's coming out of the wand or the tool that you're using, um, it's like I said, more than likely, um, cavitation of the pump or, or an airlock in the pump because it's so been it, just with Roy, with that word cavitation, do you know what that, have you got a definition that some guys might not know what that means? Well, cavitation, uh, is, is basically when the head of the pump is not um, being fed enough enough water. That's my dishwasher. Sorry, guys. Uh, it's, it's nothing from above, Scott. Um, but, no, it, it's basically when, when the uh, inlet valves of the, the pump aren't being fed enough water. And the, that's, that's the worst thing you can do to a head of a pump or the pump seals to deteriorate the life of those seals. Um, but basically, uh, if you were to fire the, the machine up and you weren't getting any action or you were only getting a, a small amount of um, pressure coming out, um, with a portable, um, dependent on the, the make and model, but most of them are much the same, you could... Uh, what we what we tend to recommend is if you want to um, open the flow uh, out of the solution outlet, um, you can either do that by removing the fitting off the front of the machine, or you can simply connect your hose and, and wand um, and hold the trigger open. That's opening the, the flow. Um, in in doing that, basically, you would remove the filter, the inlet filter from the clean water tank uh, in a SV equipment machine. It's down the bottom. Uh, normally they're a mesh strainer type filter. Uh, and you would basically grab a garden hose and um, push the garden hose onto where the, the water is um, being drawn into the pump um, and forcefully try and push 
uh, water through um, to create a, a flow through the pump, which will then prime the head of the pump um, and reduce the amount of, of time that you're running it um, dry, effectively. So, okay, all right. I might just pop in there. So, uh, like we don't have a cap cleaning business or anything like that. So, but we do have some portables there that get uh, used from time to time. Uh, we come across that a fair bit. So, can we just run through that uh, once again? So, we um, the process is to remove the filter. Is that right? Or the yeah, remove yep. remove the pump filter. Um, and if you've got access uh, to to mains pressure, basically push a, a garden hose as close as you can up to the inlet. Um, fitting that the filter would screw onto or into. Is that um, inside the tank, sorry, or in the back tank or where we put the water? Is that where you were going with it? Yeah, so, in, yep, the, in the yep. clean water side, yep. Um, so basically you're, you're uh, replicating the pump doing its job, um, just, just helping it along its way. But you need to open the flow, you need to open the other side so that you've got somewhere for that pressure to go. Um, and if you, you're on your own, it's, it's too hard to hold the uh, hose down the bottom of the, the portable tank, um, for example, and hold a trigger open on a tool at the same time. Um, you, you can remove the, the quick connect fitting or <coughs> um, if you can get up into the guts of the, the machine, excuse me, um, you can crack the uh, high-pressure hose um, fitting off, off the head of the pump. Basically, you just need to give it somewhere to go. Um, I, I would recommend doing it from the coupler on the front of the machine, though, because otherwise you'll end up um, spraying out water within the internals of the portable. So um, best to do it the, the first way. But, yeah, you're, you're basically just forcefully in, inducting um, water through the head of the pump and... If you're lucky uh, and the, the inlet valves haven't uh, actually rusted shut, then most of the time you can um, prime the head of the pump and, and get it to go. Um, once, once you uh, have passed water through the circuit um, and you reattach the coupler back on the front of the machine or release the trigger on the, on the wand, this is all, mind you, with the machine not um, switched on. So the pump's not actually running at this point. Um, then once you're confident that <coughs> you've, you've primed the head of the pump and there's water in there, um, you could go ahead and reduce your pressure on your unloader or your pressure regulator and uh, turn the pump on and hold the trigger open and slowly increase the pressure. You might get a bit of a spit coming out uh, with a bit of a choppy uh, pulsating um, effect but that should clear and, and you can wind it up to operating pressure. Okay. So is this similar um, both with yourself and Toby? You see this a lot as well. Is this a common practice sort of thing, is it? Yeah, 100%, Phil. Uh, look, you know, one of the biggest uh, problems I have with portables coming to the shop, and I probably get uh, just in the Queensland branch alone five or six a week, it's just that inlet water filter. Uh, you know, I've got five or six guys a week coming and say, oh, my pump's not working, I need a, need a new pump. In my portable, uh, um, it takes us 30 seconds to clean out that, that inlet filter. So, uh, mate, yeah, very first point of maintenance is always that filter. And is that something you talk to them over the phone about? Is this like a, 
uh, a phone conversation or? Yeah, it, w- it would be a phone conversation if they don't turn up to the shop, yes. Yep. <laughs> and is that something that you'd agree with on that, uh, Grant? Seems to be a common thing. Yeah, it's definitely a common thing. The The other side of it that we tend to see is um, the way in which they look after their, their hoses, such where their quick di- quick disconnect fittings are. As we know, they get dropped on the ground, mm. they, they get dragged across the floor, and so they don't bind properly with the female fitting or the male and female don't bind properly. So you might have pressure on the machine and nothing's coming out the tool, yet it's prob- it's the machine's problem. Yeah. Uh, if we look at the, the VersaClean um, machine, it actually has a filter back inside the machine itself as an inlet filter. It doesn't have a filter in the, in the tank. And same thing applies. People say, well, I've got water in it and nothing's happening, yet we clean out the filter and all of a sudden everything starts to work suitably again. Yep. Yep. So just the basic thing that the guys can remember to do, that little filter there seems to have some issues. Yeah, is, is, there a, is there a way that you'd know that, that that's the case or is it just trial and error or what's the story? What's the go with that? Well, uh, I think, and, and I, I say this uh, in, a, in a background sense, Phil, um, Scott and I uh, have known each other for many, many years, um, probably too many sometimes. <laughs> but my, I, I was brought up with, with a father who was, everything was about preventative maintenance, everything. Um, every week we checked every piece of equipment that we used, every vehicle that we, we ran in. The oils were checked, the tyre levels were checked, the lights were checked. If it was a truck mount, the filters were all made sure they're all clean. Not, not to say that the machines were cleaned at the end of each day anyways, uh, but everything was always checked and our preventative maintenance on our vehicles and our equipment was, was extreme to a point where many people laugh. However, I can count on one hand how many vehicle breakdowns we had over 30, over 35, 36 years. And I can also say that with, with honesty in truck mounts. Um, we rarely ever had breakdowns on truck mounts because we found the problem before it happened. Um, if a quick disconnect was leaking, change it. <laughs> if a hose is leaking, well, change it. Or that hose is going to let go inside a job and then we've got a bigger, bigger problem ahead of us. Oh, yeah. Uh, and... It's that side of things that I think people, we really should look at. And if you haven't been using your machinery, that's one thing. But you should be at least checking it weekly to make sure that when you do need it, it's, it's ready to go. Um, there was a sticker that we used to put on all the equipment that this equipment pays your salary. <laughs> yes. And if it's not working, it's not, it's not making you any money. And that return of investment in that kit is highly important for any business. I, um, I like that term you used, uh, Grant, preventative maintenance. And I think that's uh, one of the things that we do tend to forget, um, you know, even uh, in, in our industry, uh, so we get a little bit busy um, and that just that preventative maintenance um, can save us a hell of a lot of money in the end. Yeah. Well, you, you brought it up there. We get busy. I remember nights where we'd get home at 11 o'clock at night, we were washing out the waste tank to the machine. Yeah. Um, no, we were cleaning, cleaning the machine. Um, and you were back in the office again at six the next morning. Um, where we've got, I've seen people have um, waste tanks in a truck bound or a portable. And I know the other boys would have seen this as well, where you would never want to take that into somebody's house or the hoses into somebody's house because the smell from that was just obscene. Yes. Yet, but that's normal. 
Um, Apparently, it's normal. Has, has technology not caught up? Like, uh, you got to maintain <laughs> stuff now, have you? So, <laughs> we ba- we're still back in 1998 or something, aren't we? <laughs> uh, so, you, you get that position where people forget that we're in the cleaning industry. And if we can't look after our own key, how are we going to do a good job in somebody else's house? Mm. Mm. That's exactly right. So we've, um, we're coming into, uh, we'll, we'll just come out of the COVID again. We go back and spoke about portable. What's, what's some of the uh, measures that we could do with our truck now um, you know, that has been maybe sitting dormant a little bit? Well, if we look at any of the ones that we sell, um, I know Roy's setups are a little bit different, but in the waste tanks, the, the float cutouts can get stuck. Um, so lubricating in around the float cutouts. So when the machine is working, um, that float's working, so it does cut out the machine if it's over full. If Grant, we talk- just, uh, just to pull you up on that, when you say you're going to be lubricating uh, that, what, what type of lubrication can the uh, technician use? Well, most, most people with a truck mount will have something like Inox or WD-40, something of that nature. Yep. Uh, and we can spray that in and around the, the swing arm for the float mm-hmm. and a little bit of manual lifting it up and down and a bit more of a spray, a bit more lifting up and down should uh, lubricate that perfectly fine. Yep. Okay. Yeah, a good clean, hey, Grant? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Um, if we look at the automatic pump outs, uh, they can get some debris into the valve systems uh, where it may not be necessarily something that, that the, the crew can do on, in their own houses, but might be something that we can, we can assist there through the technicians. But uh, those valves can get, get stuck and they need to be cleaned and, and, and lubricated again. So that automatic pump out, if you have one on your, your, your machine, they, uh, can work again for, suitably for you. Toby, um, you know, on the on the front of those truck mounts, you know, even if, whether it be a Procam, Sapphire, Hydromaster, you know, those large brands, usually on the front of the machine, they have a inlet where you can spray a lubricant up that goes into the blower. What's what's the importance of doing that specifically if we're going into you know a, a period of sitting there? Okay, so yeah, we always lubricate the blower at the at the normally the last job of any day. Uh, normally, uh, inox, as uh, Grant said, or um, I don't like WD forty. I don't like uh, CRC five fifty six. You want more of a grease based um, uh, lubricant in there, uh, and less of a kerosene based uh, lubricant. You want uh, something with the kerosene contains a lot of water, so I want to keep the water out of there. Um, the, uh, the the purpose of that is just to coat those uh, blower lobes. There is up to well, I think it's, I think it's about a three thou tolerance in between the different uh, the, the, the the opposing blower lobes. So if that gets uh, rust spots and whatnot in there, that can that can cause some wear issues. So we just want to protect that blower. Does any uh, anyone else want to uh, comment on that um, the importance of putting a lubricant over the lobes? I'll, I'll just second what Toby just said there and just um, maybe for the listeners a bit, might be able to picture this. It's thinner than a piece of A4 sheet of um, paper. So it, it's very, very close tolerance. And yeah, all it needs a little bit of rust or a little bit of uh, grease from that job the night done the night before that sets into the round of those lobes and that thing will lock up like crazy. What's, what's the oh, time yeah, period I've, to get that? Uh, I've been there before. I remember a few years back we did a, a nightclub 
And, uh, you know, you can imagine all those greases and oils coming out and the tank had been overflowed through this big job. And, you know, back then it was all glasses and bottles and cigarettes and stuff like that. And the next day that blower did not want to move, mate. I can tell you that. Yeah, Scotty, your big enemy there is sugar. Mm -hmm. Uh, The sugar uh, will... uh, uh, liquidise in the, in the heat of the truck mount, and then as it cools overnight, it'll it'll reform as a solid. Ah, that's interesting. Thanks for. What meant to make your coffee in it, though, Terry? <laughs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> what uh, um, What's the downtime if a blower in. goes out? What's What's the turnaround time? For turnaround time for what? For replacing a blower or getting a blower fixed. Depends on which guy you ask. <laughs> um, so maintenance is easier. I'd, I'd, I'd say most of the blowers that have a, a locking issue can be fixed, mm-hmm. um, and, mm-hmm. and you know normally that's a, 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 probably a two-hour job. It's not 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 that big a deal. Yeah. I re- um, remember when Toby, I think when we did ours, we were told to pour down boring boiling water down into it to try and loosify. You know, this uh, lucifer, that's not even a word. Emulsify the, uh, this stuff that had been put around the lubes, uh, the lobes, and it seemed to work with that boiling water. I don't think that's, I don't, that's the most appropriate way, but it worked. No, 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 it's the correct way. So we, we just want to liquidise that sugar again. Hmm. And uh, a little bit of surfactant there doesn't, doesn't hurt as well. Right. So where did you put that water into? Where? Uh, we've opened the top of the, uh, the, the there's normally a, a manifold on the top of the blower. Take that manifold off and just pour some straight in there. Okay. And get a big pair of Stilsons. Yep. Very big pair of Stilsons. But you want to make sure that you're not, um, with the lubricating, you can go too far. So I've seen quite a lot of mm. cases where people are over lubricating the buyers. And um, as Toby said, some of those other products like CRC and WD40 have a negative effect um, and actually it turns into a, almost like a tree sap um, because the exhaust gases are um, being mixed um, in a lot of machines basically out the end of the, blo- the, the blower it would then um, flute into a, a muffler teed in from the motor's exhaust and that mix of CRC and carbon from that the engine's generating um, can create quite a mess uh, on the tail end uh, of the the you know exhaust system of the machine, um, and foul stuff up quite quite bad. In regards to like, for example, a, a ProChem uh, with a radiator um, uh, core type preheater as well, you can get uh, you know a, a lot of build up of um, exhaust gases. Up pretty sure that um, the, the idea is for, for a preheater on those radiator cores, but um, I'm sure it's, it's able to find a way in there depending on how the unit's uh, engineered and plumbed up. I know with, with the SV equipment um, or the steam vac truck mount, we, we've seen it before where the, the baffles in the exhaust and whatnot, um, if over lubed, it, it can create quite a mess and end up uh, causing back pressure on the, on the engine actually. So, okay. So is there any way that we've just spoke about the, the truck mount blower? I just think, is there any way that we can prepare the, uh, the vac motor in a portable or is that not possible? 
or not required. It. Uh, it's more more going back to preventative maintenance. Yep. Um, um, one thing that I always recommend for, for a portable operator to do, even if they haven't experienced um, what we call flooding the motor, um, if the machine's foamed up for whatever reason, past moisture through the motor, um, even if that hasn't occurred, I still recommend to run the vac motors on the machine for a couple of minutes prior to packing it up at the end of each job or the end of each day just to... Um, um, basically dry out the internals of the motor so that you're not packing it up for the night in the van or a few days in the shed um, with with um, moist bearings, um, which will rust out and, and cause the thing to chew out a lot earlier. So That's, that's an interesting point, Roy. I actually have never um, thought of that. So running the machine uh, for just for a couple of minutes, once you've completed, sort of let that um, heat that up still and uh, just remove any of that excess moisture that's a good point thank you 100 percent. sorry grant sorry no, you're right uh, also mate uh, defoamer defoamer is not used anywhere near enough in this country uh you, you're going to save yourself a lot of uh, money in back motors just using a little bit of defoamer every now and then go for it go for it grant Did you have something grant and, and yeah i was just going to say uh, i say to all our customers keep the waste tank lids off overnight just yep. take the lids off, allow some, allow the thing to breathe because um, those components are going to be hot uh, and overnight any anything that's in the, the, the motor will leach back up into the tank um, and you'll create a, a moisture effect or a humi humidity issue up there. Take that waste tank lid off, whether it's a truck mount or a portable, leave it off for the night uh, and it'll dry through the system for you. Very good. That's, that's really great. Good that, thanks, guys. That's yeah. some really good points. Um, you know, as we come into, uh, well, we're now in winter. I can tell you where I am and that, that cold, but, you know, down south, um, the, uh, there's some guys that are coming in some, some really cold periods and, uh, you know, down in the Victoria area and over the hill in Toowoomba and out the back of uh, New South Wales and South Australia, you know, we're getting down to some cold temperatures. And as those truck mounts have to start up in the morning, I'd like to sort of get your feedback or um, some type of idea on how we can assist the guys early in the morning with their truck mount startups. Can we can we start with uh, with you, um, Toby? Since we start with Roy last time, do you have anything to say? Yeah, sure, mate. Uh, so yeah, we we probably my customers would freeze a couple of truck mounts a year. Uh, yeah, it's not a, not a massive issue, but uh, it, it is a very very painful thing when it happens. Obviously, water expands when it uh, when it freezes and causes all sorts of issues inside a truck mount, especially around the heat exchangers. You know, and they're not a cheap component. So if you if you freeze a heat exchanger and it and it does burst, you're you're up for a quite a quite a you know, five or six thousand dollar bill probably at least. Um, so wherever you can, obviously in that very cold climate, you really really do want to try and park your park your truck mount inside. Um, that's that's probably my main point with with coldness and truck mounts. Okay. How about you, Grant? Yeah, much the same as what Toby said. Uh, we don't tend to come up against it a lot, uh, but if you are going to be uh, putting the machine away for for a period of time, like you said, a bit of hibernation, uh, then I've always been a big believer of flushing all the water out of the the pumping system and put put a light coolant through. 
to lub- that'll keep everything lubricated. Be careful of the type of um, coolants that you can get. Um, you don't want anything that's got an aggressive um, base to it, which could damage the seals in the pump. But um, if you if you're going to leave it um, in hibernation for for a period of time, if not, once again, it comes back down to the every week. Just give it a run. <laughs> what, um, what about what about Toad with the hoses that that they fill up with water? Um, you know, we've got our water lines, our hot water lines, our pump lines um, overnight. We finished the last job of the day and we've come into a, a snap freeze overnight. And um, can those pump lines freeze up? Are you talking about the solution hoses or the yes. or the or the line? Yeah, solution, solution hoses. Mate, not solution hoses not normally a problem freezing. There's there's enough give and take in them to 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 take up the uh, the expansion of the water in a freezing situation. So they don't normally give you a problem. Um, it's it's more the uh, the larger components, your larger expensive components in your truck mounts, where they hold you know heat exchangers hold a lot of water, and uh, and they're going to give you the issues. Okay, how about you, Roy? Have you got anything to, to point out for the guys that are starting up in winter? Uh, well, I haven't really experienced that. Melbourne can get pretty cold, but I haven't experienced too many dramas there. Uh, I know. With, with the imported units, um, they're generally coming in um, with an antifreeze, I think Grant mentioned, um, you know, in, in the circuit to, to prevent um, that. And they've got preventative measures on their machines with regards to operation and, and preventative maintenance because of the climates that those machines are manufactured in. But um, not really experiencing it too much within our circuitry on the on the steam back truck mounts, um, being all all stainless steel. I assume if they are in cold cold climates, we would experience um, similar similar things. But so um, there's no need for the guys to be you know emptying out their solution lines, uh, Grant. Like at the end of the day, if they knew they were coming into a minus five overnight. They don't need to get in there and blow all this water out of these solution lines. No, not that we've seen. A little bit like Roy. Um, we, we get extreme temperatures, but not the extremes that tends to cover North America. Um, I, for me, it's more the more in the case that when they fire up the machine the next morning on a cold day, that they don't just start it up and rev the hell out of it and, and put it into full revs. Let's just warm the thing up and, and give, it a, give it five, ten minutes to get warm um, before we put any, any high revolutions into the, the motors. Is it a, a benefit to maybe uh, changing oils when it comes into winter, like colder periods? Uh, we tend to see uh, if we find the odd motor burning a little bit of oil, which can certainly happen, we may look at altering the, the oil composition on that. However, if, it's, if it doesn't have an issue with burning oil or anything of that nature, we, we keep it fairly simple and we'll keep it based on what it's been, been on for the period of time. Okay. Has anyone else got anything to, to say about that at all? No? Right, we'll all just right. have a have a ten minute break. Yep. Okay. All right, let's have a ten minute break. Now, That's pretty good. Now the only thing I've got, gentlemen, is I'm supposed to be on a non- another Zoom call <laughs> at quarter past four. <laughs> well we, we, how much we got, Phil? We're pretty good. We've got forty two, so we probably need another muted, ten mate. minutes. Ten fifteen. Oh, hang on. Yeah, yeah. 
Sorry, Russ. Um, we, we probably need another 10 minutes, 10, okay. 12 minutes. Well, what I'll do is I'll just tell them, um, give me another 15, another 10. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I suppose we just have to quickly think about um, what else we can talk about because we've had some pretty good stuff come out. To be honest, guys, that was actually pretty good. There's some good stuff. Um, have you got anything you wanted to bring across, Phil? Um, what about... Um, I don't know. Really, it's it's. What about other maintenance on other equipment, like just not portables and truck mounts? What do you What do you guys see? What What's your daily bread? Is it just portables and truck mounts, or do you have? No, mate. A lot of dehumidifiers and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So let's let's talk a bit about that as well. So okay. And I think All coming right. into winter as well, like people don't understand dehumidifiers don't work at minus five. So maybe, um, uh, Roy, because you're dealing with Coraventa, let's just, have you got much of that stuff out there at the moment that you might say you guys can get this, you know, a bit of uh, maintenance, preventive maintenance of the Coraventa stuff? Would that be right? Well, we've got a fair bit of it out there across the country in New Zealand, but I think it's much the same with any make or model brand. Um, and going back to even portable uh extractors and accessories, wands, truck mounts, it tends to, to be quite common um, that after something's been sitting stagnant for a, for a period of time, um, if there's been any debris, like Grant mentioned about the, the lubricating the floats uh, in the waste tanks, um, you, you when something's not been run for a long period of time, you get a build-up um, of whatever was there, it tends to dry up and become gritty. Um, and that can actually cause um, more damage in, in those times where stuff is static. Um, that's when the, the, the potential for damage occurs more, more often than not. So, yeah. All right. So we're not, we're not, um, I don't, Phil's not recording at the moment. So, just, we're, we're going, we're good to go. So, if you just want to keep hey. going, I'll just, I'll be back in 20 seconds. So, so is it going? Yeah, we've got to go. Sorry, Toby. Scotty, I'd focus less on the on the winter and just just try and get the maintenance issues out, whatever they are. Yeah. Okay. Cool. So we call it preventative maintenance on that. Yep. On all three. Yeah. Um, so if you want to bring up Corventa, uh, Roy, um, uh, Grant, do you want to uh, talk about dry ears at all? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Toby. That's all right. We're both dry. So, that, yeah, yeah. No, mate, it's all right. Grant, Grant knows everything I know. So, and more. Yeah. What did you want to bring up? <laughs> I don't know, mate. I'm, I mean, I'll, you don't know. I'll, 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 I'll talk about upholstery tools and wands if you like. So, uh, Tony, you, you, you drink too much and Grant makes you listen. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good, mate. That's why he's that's why he trains, mate. He listens, you see, and you just go out just drinking. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> so, um, all right. So we'll have a we'll have a start. Um, so did 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 Phil say this is going? Yeah. It's going. Yep. Um, so Roy, in regards to uh, the equipment you have there at uh, SB, or uh, should I say Pressure Pro? Um, you you do uh, sell. You are the Australian and New Zealand um, company that sells the uh, brand name Coraventa, and uh, Coraventa is from Europe. It's a beautiful piece of uh, restoration equipment. Uh, congratulations on bringing that in as the distributor. Um, 
What type of uh, preventative maintenance uh, could the uh, people that have purchased that um, be doing for the Corventa equipment? Um, I guess the number one or, or biggest cause of any issue uh, for any dehumidifier or, or um, piece of equipment, we're going back to filters. Um, that is the single most important piece of, of um, protection that you've got on, on any of that type of, of machine. And basically the, the, the cause of, of 95% of the issues that dehumidifiers experience. Um, basically, if, if your filters aren't blocked, uh, are blocked, you, you're uh, more than likely fouling up all the pores uh, on the evaporative and condensing coils and through throughout the heat exchanger uh, and filtering right down then um, into the sump and, and damaging waste pumps and blocking up uh, orifices that, that are used for draining into the sumps and whatnot. Um, yeah, basically all, all the problems are stemming from filters. I, um, I would totally agree with that statement, Roy. It doesn't matter what brand of uh, dehumidifier you use. If those uh, you know, filters are not working at their capacity, what they're supposed to be doing, your dehumidifier is not working at its efficiency. And, uh, you know, that's, yeah. so that's a, a big component of our drying when a dehumidifier is not drying efficiently. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right, so they can buy those types of filters from you, Roy, for those Coraventa machines that you have? Yeah, well, mo most of the filters uh, used in the Coraventa range of equipment are actually washable, so the consumable cost is significantly less. Okay. Um, however, even with dry A's and the like, um, the, the filters that are not um, so washable per se, um, you can get away with a, a few, um, at least a few um, uses of an air, air um, compressor to clean them out. It's not ideal because they're losing their, uh, their static charge after, I think they recommend after three cleans on those uh, honeycomb type filters. Um, you know, it can get quite expensive, but yeah, I can't stress enough, at least from my point of view, how important filters are um, across the board for restoration equipment, for truck mount, the air-cooled motors, the filters are, you know, fuel filters and air cleaners, all the filters, they're there for a reason. And uh, a lot of people think they don't have the time um, for that preventative maintenance and, and more often than not wait until something's failed before they go and do something about it. And they're cutting their nose off despite their face because it's going to break down when you're, when you're working, not when you're sitting at home on a Friday night having, having yep. a quiet one. I totally agree. Yeah, Brian, sure. going uh, with those dry ease filters, Grant, that, you, um, that they do put in those uh, dry ease, I think... One of the problems that I seem to see uh, with you know, technicians and companies uh, with those new filters that have come out uh, for the dry years, they, they really don't spend the money or consider it that they do need to replace these regularly. Yeah. Um, would, you, would you consider that as you know, common today? A hundred percent. We get so caught up putting the machine into a job and we just let it do what it's, it does. And... There's certain things that I know you you teach on your training schools um, 
Scott, to get an understanding of your equipment and whether or not it's working suitably for them. Yeah. Um, but they get so caught of just putting machines into the job and they walk away and they come back and they don't measure what the machine is doing. So they don't know whether the machine is working suitably. Mm. Um, what Roy has pointed out, I agree 100%. Most of the machines we come up against with a problem is user issue. Yeah. Uh, we, we have a little rule of thumb in our business that whenever a dehumidifier comes in, remove the filters, give it a, a coil clean or clean the coils um, and then run it yep. and see what it does. And, yeah, 90% of the machines are, are run and they work suitably fine. We, we had a run of a, or a stage of an issue with a, a range of machines, uh, one of the, the models, and it kept coming back with, with coil breakages. And when we really diagnosed them, it was because the filters were so blocked up that the machine couldn't breathe. And so everything just heated up and you'd get a failure of the coil. Um, now, a lot of those machines were repaired under warranty and so forth. However, um, when we see that, it's not because of the machine. It's because yeah, yeah. Of, of how we're looking after them. Because when you look at it, uh, Grant and, um, and and Toby and Roy, you know, these dehumidifiers are not always put into a clean property. No. You know, they're, they're used sometimes on demolition sites. Mm -hmm. and, and if we took the, and a lot of equipment went up to, say, the Townsville floods or the Tasmanian floods, and they you know, these houses have been stripped, <laughs> and then all of a sudden they've, they've got these air movers going around and it's blowing and this uh, particulate debris around through a property and these stripped out houses. And I, I know that we um, had a look at quite a few uh, dehumidifiers from different companies uh, while we were up there um, just having a look at what the guys were doing. And the filters were chock-a-block of particulate mm. and dust and debris. And, and once it gets past that point, it then starts going on into the coils and then onto the evaporator. And then all of a sudden you've got these dehumidifiers that are just really struggling mm. to work. Yeah. Also, Scotty, just to broaden the focus a little, uh, another area in dehumidifiers that uh, receives a fair bit of attention is that in that automatic pump-out area. The switches, the bowls, the uh, the pumps themselves filling up with gunk. Uh, mate, Nine out of ten, just a good clean up, and they're and they're back out the door again. So it, it, it's just basic maintenance uh, that 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 wins there. And the the companies that uh, that run a proper uh, check out check in system <laughs> and clean their equipment properly as it comes back through the warehouse, they have so much more success than the, than the the other guys that don't. Yeah. I, 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 when you say that, talk about that, Toby, I, I know as a preventative measure the guys should be uh, doing is when they bring those dehumidifiers back from the job, they put them in their car, they put them back into the shop. Before they wheel them into their shelves, I, I've always said that they should start the machine up again and then pump out that excess moisture that's sitting in the bottom of that tray that's actually defrosted off the coils. Yep. Yes, mate. At that point, it really needs to be cleaned hmm. yep. before it goes back on the shelf. What have you got anything to say about that, Grant? Yeah, I, well, uh, like we talked about, we've been talking about, and as I brought up earlier, it's preventative maintenance. It's doing whatever we can to keep that machinery making money for you. Yep. And if it's making money for you, the return of investment's huge. And and um, I know how you look after your gear, Scott. Um, I know Phil would be it will be much the same. And Toby's right. It's the ones who look after their gear are the ones who generally don't have the problems. 
Mm. And it's the ones who don't look after a gear, talking about all the equipment, whether it's dehumidifiers, portables, truck mounts, whatever. The ones who look who don't look after it are the ones that we tend to see more often. Yep. And uh, if we can, at the end of the day, um, we prefer to see equipment out working than in our shop getting fixed. Absolutely, absolutely. Preventative measures, preventative maintenance will uh, will do that for us. And you know, even when we look at air movers, for example, taking off those filters, those guards, you know, those guards on the sides that can be unscrewed and washed and cleaned, it just prevents the uh, machine from heating up or getting looking dirty, getting those carpet fibres into the uh, air mover. There's no excuse in my books to have dirty equipment. It no. should be pristine. Can I just add on that? What, uh, what have you got as far as uh, maintenance goes when we buy equipment? I've had a look online. There's a few videos online. Is that what you recommend? Or what, what's, how do you all do that? 100%, 100% Phil, yeah. Dries have got some great videos there on, on cleaning up uh, their their equipment uh, and, and, and that's probably what I, I, I pen, tend to uh, uh, send people toward. Yeah. We also have, um, and it's nothing smart or ingenious, but Dries also has a, a um, check system for your dehumidifiers. So you can, you can check it off when the filters were cleaned. You can say when it was last washed down, whatever way you want to do it. Um, it's just a simple sheet system. Uh, I know with, with the, the restoration side of, of the business, um, we've been using the same style of sheet for all our vehicle and equipment maintenance for, for years. Uh, it, but it's just having it and doing it than necessarily um, having something online or anything like that nature. But, yeah, excellent videos online, and I assume Coravent is the same. Yeah, the Coravent stuff actually um, has inbuilt into the firmware of the, the panels. That it's got a prompt that will let you know when it's time for service uh, periodically, and it also has the capability of doing a, a system self-diagnostic system check to see that everything's operating um, optimum, optimally. Um, but yeah, it's, it can be as simple as like Grant said, um, just creating a, a belief system within the, the business that, that you're, you're running if you've got multiple techs to make them not only accountable for, for the pieces of equipment that are making you money, um, but to ensure that everything's kept, you know, in, in good condition and in the end of the day, doing the job that you're going out there to charge people to, to do. Um, I've got a scream from a rooftop, one thing which I haven't touched on. Um, with regards to portable and portable uh, pumps, um, take it or leave it, but the amount of, of um, pumps that we see come through with failure rates uh due to chemicals being run through the pump, buy a pre-spray gun. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's been an unreal uh, session by Use3 um, to provide that information uh, for the whole industry. And it just shows that, you know, you're there helping out the industry, helping each other out and, uh, Phil and I really appreciate uh, U3 coming on today, taking the time out of your day to assist in the restoration and cleaning industry. So on behalf of uh, Phil and myself, uh, I'd really like to thank uh, Roy, uh, Grant and Toby 
for your efforts and your comments today. Guys and girls out there, these three are exceptional um, people that allow us to be able to come into their lives and into their shops and see what they do. Support these guys. They're here for you. Uh, ring them up. Check out their websites. They've got Facebook pages. But also, you know, if you haven't come on to the Facebook page yet for the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast, I'd ask you to do that. Get on there, like that. And uh, if you have any comments in regards to what these guys have said, if you want to ask these guys any questions, please put them through to us on that Facebook page. Even send Phil an email or myself, and uh, we'll get it to these guys. And uh, But to everyone, thank you very much. Have a wonderful rest of the week, and we'll see you next time. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thanks very Thank much. Well, thanks, Phil. Appreciate it. Thank you. Good on you, guys. Roy. See you, Tobe. Okay, user are off, so just got the ad going. By assessing this so. podcast, I acknowledge that the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty, guarantee, or representation as to the accuracy or sufficiency of the information featured in this podcast. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only, and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. This podcast should not be considered professional advice. Unless specifically stated otherwise, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast does not endorse, approve, recommend, or certify any information, product, process, or surface, or organization presented or mentioned in this podcast. And information from this podcast should not be referenced in any way to imply such approval or endorsement. The third-party materials or content of any third-party site referenced in these podcasts do not necessarily reflect the opinions, standards, or policies of the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast assumes no responsibility or liability for the accuracy or completeness of the content contained in third-party materials or on third-party sites referenced in this podcast, or the compliance with applicable laws of such materials and all links referenced herein. Moreover, the Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast makes no warranty that this podcast or the server that makes it available is free of viruses, worms, or other elemental codes that manifest contaminating or destructing uh, properties. The Professional Carpet Cleaners and Restorers podcast expressly disclaims any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or other damages arising of any individual's use of, reference to, reliance on, or inability to use this podcast or the information presented in this podcast.